Welcome to the Crow's Nest, the place of the best view on the wind farm service vessel market. My name is Sue Allen, I'm an analyst at 4C Offshore, and this podcast is about the vessels used to support offshore wind logistics, that is crew transfer vessels, service operations vessels, accommodation ships and helicopters. I'm going to be talking to industry experts about subjects close to their hearts, including new design concepts and technology and other changes affecting offshore wind support. Welcome to the Crow's Nest. Uh, today we're going to talk about the ambitions for the offshore wind market in Ireland. And I'm joined today by Martin Rice, who is CEO, director and founder of Farrow Marine over in Ireland. And I know Martin's got a lot of ambitions for his company and they seem to be in line with the Irish government's ambitions for offshore wind, which seem to be growing all the time. So first of all, welcome, for, welcome along to the podcast, Martin. It was great for you to join us. Especially as I know you are extremely busy and you had a very, very exciting day yesterday. I mean, do you, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, thanks, Sue. Thanks for uh, having us here today. Yeah, it was a busy day yesterday. It was Christmas come early for us. It was the delivery uh-huh. of the Fire Orla, the first vessel in the company. So uh, it was a 3.30 start in the morning yesterday to get to the harbour where she was coming to Arklow in County Wicklow. And yeah, it was a fantastic day. Yeah, big, big event in your personal life as well as your business life yeah yeah it's something i've been looking forward to probably for about three years you know getting our first boat and getting it delivered and then mm-hmm. actually seeing it in the flesh in ireland you know we'd obviously been to singapore for five weeks you know for the sea trials and the, the signing of the vessel and all the paperwork type of things now it was great to have her come into ireland and throw a rope onto ireland for the first time yeah i, I watched on sort of vessel tracker sort of seeing progress there and i thought oh i envied you sitting there waiting but she i've seen the video now on LinkedIn. And she looks looks very smart. <laughs> yeah, she's she's absolutely beautiful. That because it took a while for her to get her home, obviously because she you no know, came home under her own keel. So it was good to see her again. And you forget how big she is yeah. from what we done the sea trials. It was we quite a good time out there doing loads of sea trials. So once we got her home and you walk on it again, it's a bit, an extra wow factor again. Yeah, when you actually sit in the chair again and feel how big she is. Yeah, lots of celebrations. No, no celebrations <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all, like we got. To Back to the hotel last night about eight thirty, and everyone was more hungry than anything. I think we had one <laughs> pint of shandy, and everyone was knackered and away to bed. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I bet there's lots to do and still going on. But... Yeah, the, the celebrations will they'll happen, and maybe in a week or two we get some all the surveys done that we've got planned. You know, with the IMCA audits and all those workboat code surveys that we have to do. So that's going on for probably the next seven days, and then mm-hmm. we've some VIP trips and some developers coming. To visit the vessel so once those are over and you can relax then and mm-hmm. we maybe all go out for a meal and a bit of a shindig yeah no you've got to celebrate it. it's really important and uh, no he actually raised a good point there i was interested in what sort of workboat codes do is, are they specific for ireland or can you work under mca cat 2 there at the moment they've no code for this type of vessel so the vessel will actually be registered in jersey right. so it, it'll be the high high speed offshore support craft and uh, the 24 seat code mm-hmm. and then she'll also be the workboat code as well so she'll be dual coded okay. do you think they'll bring in a, a specific code for it or will it just work well those? we sort of spent the last two years meeting with the mso in dublin and you no know, at the minute they only have like a p5 category which is like a mm-hmm 
more of a, a leisure sort of thing. It's a bit, you no, know, they would accept Yacht Masters and transfer that to a P5 ticket. But unfortunately, clients don't want small vessels with 12 seats and Yacht Master skippers anymore. You no, know, it's no, moved on. Not. It's, you know, you more or less have to be full ISM now to get any sort of way forward in any of the tenders. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. I mean, vessel safety is absolutely essential. But no, it, it, I think we went through the same process over in the UK in the early days of the offshore wind industry, sort of developing the codes to make them suitable. Um, yeah, the it's the same sort of thing is going to happen here, Sue. What they'll do is they'll probably... They've already asked us today, can they come on board and have a look around mm-hmm. just to see you know, how big a step it is from that yacht master type small older workboat to this newer level. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're looking forward to coming and having a look. So yeah. I think that'll give them a bit of a, a good idea of what they'll have to design the code around. Yeah. It'll just be like the other countries like that have done this 24-seat code, the Danish and Dutch and the UK flag. You know, it's something that has to be done. So they'll be working on it. I'm just not sure how quick they'll be able to bring that through. Right. Well, from your perspective, I'd imagine that you'd want an experienced skipper on board anyway when when they're looking after your assets. And... Yeah, for sure. We've definitely, we've sort of cherry-picked a few guys that are going to be on the first one. I don't want any bumps or scrapes on my, my pride and joy. <laughs> definitely, definitely yeah. not. But no, it's really an exciting time because I think you're the first CTV operator based in Ireland as well, aren't you? I think we've had a few that have operated CTVs. But oh, you've got Ireland shipping or Fastnet shipping mm-hmm. that have some of the older sort of, I suppose, phase one type when the early stages of workboats. You know, you had yeah. the, some of them small 14, 15 metre fibreglass and then a couple of 18 metre ones. But this is like next generation stuff. Yeah, that's it. All yeah. the clients are looking for now, and it's all. You no, know, if you say to anyone when you put a tender in now, you've only got tier one engines. You no, know, they look over mm. their glasses at you and say, "No, it's tier two at the minimum and tier three from now on." Yeah, no, I think there was um, yeah, island shipping. As you say, I think they're called something else now. Alpha Marine, are they? Yeah, I think it's Alpha, Alpha Marine, Alpha yeah. Marine Services, AMS or something. Yeah, because the boat, the AMS Panther or something. I think. Still yeah, doing some survey work. I think. At, yeah. On Codling Bank and places. I think um, a few firsts all round going on over there, over in Arklow. I mean, I know you've got the Arklow Bank project. I think Winca has a boat on there. I was really interested in, because I know when I first started talking to you, you talked a lot about how you want to grow your fleet to 10, possibly 20. I mean, that that's a massive ambition. Yeah, from... The- from the start, when I we put the plan in place, you know, there was always going to be four phases. So the bit we're at now, we've built the company, got the first two vessels. So the next stage is 10 vessels by Q123. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully around June or July next year, we'll order another 10 to be wow. delivered by 10, 2025, 2026. Mm-hmm. And then we'll wait and see what happens after that. So it could be... <laughs> 30 40 or whatever but uh, the plan is because with the, everything with cop 26 and everyone's renewable targets and the, you know, the climate emergency now there's going to be a massive drive for bigger wind farms more wind farms so mm-hmm. all the clients with their esg policies and all know have to make sure they're hiring the best most modern capable vessels well that's certainly true and i know our forecasts support that that growth um and then I just was reading about very, very briefly about um, Germany's increased their target as well. And while some of these sites are being built further offshore, there's still a large demand for 
CTVs, it's very rare that we see a, or see the possibility of a, a project without the CTV support. I mean, we've got the Hornsey sites at the moment, which, or some of our furthest offshore, but you're still seeing the boats going out there and performing transfers within the field. So it, it's interesting how everything's developing, because while we might think it's going one way, there's there's always something new happening. And I've been looking at the Irish market as well. As I said just now, it's not grown very rapidly, but now we, we're seeing significant plans in place yeah there's big plans in place you know they want to achieve the 70 by 30 target is what they've set so Mm -hmm. the planning and all i think everyone like companies like ours and other companies in the supply chain are all mad keen for it all to come and i think there's a will for the smaller business and there's the avail of all the the work that's going to become available what is happening is no legislation and the political end of it it's taken longer to get through like the Irish parliament here seems to always be like delays with planning so they they've committed just a few weeks ago with their new climate action plan that they're going to set up this MARA which is like a marine regulatory body that's going to be put in place by 2024 so we don't see anything happening it's not happening as quick as I would like no, I don't, I don't a think lot of other people would like I don't think you're alone there my understanding is that developers are ready to go it's just getting the right regulation in place I think the one of my colleagues was explaining to me before about how some of the auctions need to start taking place and some of the regulations have only just been published and the frameworks for that but uh, some of the sites I think in Codling Bank's huge isn't it um, yes some of the like the Codling and the Arclo Phase 2 and then the one up at Clockerhead, the Oriel, the, like the, those guys are really pushing the government hard, like to say we mm-hmm. we can't just hang about. You no, know, everybody's using up the supply chain capacity. So you no, know, yeah. we don't order stuff now. They're going to go Belgium, Denmark, Poland. They're going to go and build elsewhere. So we need commitments from government here that's going to enable all the people you know, to set their targets and achieve them. If you like, I mean the Codling and the Arclo projects and Oriel are going to be massive. And then you've got the North Irish Sea Array, and then huge ambitions with floating wind off the south coast and around the west coast that uh, some of the companies here are working really hard on. Yeah, my understanding that the target is about five gigawatts by 2030 and we need to have one gigawatt underway by 2025, um, which considering where Ireland is at the moment, that's quite a significant growth, a sharp growth. But again, you're, you're saying things that I'm hearing from other people that it's the regulatory framework which is maybe delaying and you know the ambitions there the supply chains there but like you say they will go elsewhere if that doesn't start getting moving yeah you mentioned the uh, west coast of Ireland I'm quite curious about that because we're talking about floating wind off there and I have visited Ireland on several occasions I've been to the west coast and it's very rural and can be quite a challenge to develop projects out there and it's it's not the most um, it's quite a harsh environment sometimes in the sea yeah well we've got some companies that are doing like research stuff at the minute around no suitable ports Mm -hmm. like all the way around east west south coast so from like on the west coast like from killy beggs there's a lot of good infrastructure already there where they bring turbines in that go on the land base Uh, wind farms so you go right down then you've got Galway Port and Cork there's so many opportunities and that's 
when we we go to different meetings and shows and Zoom meetings this last year, and we're trying to tell people like you need to push the button now. Yeah. You, know, you can't wait till like 2024 and go. We're going to right. That's it. And then the, we need the ports to follow. I know some of them are working hard at the minute to try and get investment and facilities and stuff like that. Yes, it's all it's all doable, Sue. It's just yeah. no. I think COP26 has really upped the ante. Yeah, no, because that, that was a big thing. It came at the right time and we were talking to a lot of people and all that was happening in Glasgow. So it, like I said to people before, like the renewable, being green and hippie, it used to be all trendy, but now it, it's a must for all of us. It's not like a niche market anymore if we want to no. know be here in like 200 years or 300 years and our grandkids and all no we've got to make sure they've got a planet that's able to support them so i think everyone realizes that now and it's i think in the next few months we'll maybe see a big turnaround in attitudes well i hope so i think somebody said i can't remember who it was but it was at the in glasgow saying this is make or break decade if we don't do it now it'll be too late and i think the danger is we always think oh we will have another year but we, we are running out of time i think offshore winds just watching it over the last 10 years the way it's developed and we've got the supply chain and for example during the early days of the pandemic I, I think everyone paused for about a week and then just carried on <laughs> you know because they had all the protocols in place and they just got on with it and still delivered on time in budget and it, it life carried on and uh, I think offshore wind is extremely agile and, and good at meeting the demand so i have I think every... the good thing about us offshore wind because it's still it's still quite a new industry so all the people in it are quite flexible because mm-hmm. it's, it's not been going for a hundred years and this is the way we've always done it it's always yeah. developing changing improvements and safety and equipment and logistics so the covid thing it just was another thing we have to work around oh we didn't have this before it's a problem let's get around it and it's been amazing how all the offshore things have still carried on it, it was just a bit of an adaption process and all the guys that are in it know it just had to be done so you just sort of one one day of whinging about it and then you know the yeah. next day it all happened if you like i think it's an industry of problem solvers you know there's a problem right okay here's the solution let's get on and it just moves forward and it's you know personally very proud to work in this industry i'm just thinking back to your, your boats you know you said you're going to have them are they all going to be built in singapore is that your plan at the moment yeah, at the minute we've got like the the guys in Singapore. We, like we went to other shipyards as well. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a cost thing or anything to do with money. It was like we went there and from day one, the first meeting, I, went, I include Ed Dudston at NCAT, him and Jago, the naval architects that we've worked with. It was we wanted. I wanted to make sure I built my own boats. So yeah. if that makes sense, no other. Other people were trying to sell me their designs. Mm-hmm. No, this is it. It's off the peg. Where we did it from the keel up and like we had input into every system on the boat the electrics the different plant you know how many backup systems we had we changed loads of things like over the standard model and penguin says yeah okay you want to move that that's okay with us you know where you want it to be so why would we put it in the wrong place yeah it'd be absolutely unbelievable to work with and we would have daily meetings in the morning you know it's near the end of the day their time and i they would show me something and i'd go oh well, that doesn't look right by the next morning they would have moved it and changed it and repainted it it's it's just so easy to do business with them yeah that's excellent do you know it's something i've heard before what you just said about building your own boat that other vessel owners and operators i've spoken to they've got backgrounds in shipping and being ships masters etc and they've said they've been really hands-on in the design and it's clearly paid off i mean i think there are many different designs out there 
uh, and they're all bringing something different and slightly new and people have huge experience in this industry but still everyone's again being flexible and adapting yeah, for sure it's like uh, the days of like knocking out the model t ford type mm. designs now have gone like even once we started and got the company up and going we started straight away meeting with developers and all the clients and saying look well you before we put the keel and we start building up too far you tell us what you want what your requirements are mm-hmm. what do you expect to want in five years so we had loads of meetings every six months maybe along the way and we were showing them right this is what we've got on there so far do you want anything else you know that ticks your box so we're not going with something they haven't seen so like all the turbine manufacturers seen the plans as we yeah. were going along so we're not going to no, Orla hasn't turned up and she's going to be nobody knows what's happening like everyone's seen inside it from top to bottom there's a few things we haven't told people about because they're they're uh, things we only tell the client about but there's a lot of things that we've learned along the way that we've people that have been masters and all mm-hmm. that so it's good that you're, you've gone from being the master and then owning the company and my background is marine engineering so there was things that I put on the boat that I know will make it a lot easier because we haven't got big crews so you know that no you know, we've, two or three people three yeah so we have to make it as easy as possible for the guys you know because they maybe have a load of work to do on a weather day where they have to try and do loads of servicing and there's nothing worse than you know things all going wrong on your service day so we put a lot of things in place that make it as easy as possible for the crew. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate that and about good design, isn't it, and developing it and involving it. And you mentioned Kyra, she's next one along. When is she going to yeah. be ready? Yeah, they're actually on commissioning phase oh, wow. at the minute. So they're commissioning engines, jets. They hope to start the trials on the 15th of December. Uh-huh. And then, but I'd probably be going over there early January. Yeah. No, for the same thing. This time, thankfully, there's no quarantine, so I'll not be locked up, locked up for two weeks before I get to the shipyard. I must so at least, yeah. That, yeah, that must be have been hard just to people. get to the shipyard. Yeah, yeah. That that's, must be quite a testing time because you can't do much. Um, yeah, so she's coming along well. Do you mean she's following the same design or are you going to make any major adaptions? Yeah, there's there's some uh, some improvements because when we uh, got to Singapore and we, we took a, the oil out and sea trials and stuff, and uh, as great as it is with the zoom and all that there there were some things when i was actually on the boat i went oh, i should have put this here i should have put that there mm-hmm. so with the few changes nothing nothing major nothing yeah. major we, we've some major things happening in the, the future builds around more you know the hybrid electric and tier three engines and stuff like that but the yeah. the next the next couple will be pretty much like the order um just thinking on the on the design i, I... I've seen some vessels recently where they're using um, walked work vet systems being put on board. I think you've probably seen MHO vessels. And I think Energizer from Northern Offshore Services uh, is going to have a walked work system put on, on the deck. Yeah. I think that would be exception rather than the rule. Yeah, well, so, like Mike's boats are lovely boats, the, the 37 and the, or the 39 and 35s or whatever mm-hmm. they are. They're quite big. I, I don't know where we would be able to put them on our size of vessel, mm-hmm. but uh, nothing's ever off the table at the minute in offshore wind. It's so, it's a brilliant time. So everything's, all the people you speak to, it's innovation. It's no thinking outside the box. Can we do mm-hmm. this? Can we do that? Oh, we've never did that before, but why Why should that mean we can't do it now? Yeah. No, I think, I think everything should be on the table and nothing ruled out at this stage because there may be some things that happen and then we go in two years' time, well, that didn't work, but we're not going to end up with 300 boats with something. No, no. we try it and maybe and then 
you know, either take it off the vessel or remove it or whatever. You know, that sort of stuff, that's what's going to have to happen in maybe the next three years. Yeah, I think there's very, very few stand. I can think of some that are like a very standard design, but for everyone else, there's constant innovation, constant improvement. That's always ongoing. Yeah, for sure. Like all the, the powertrain, you know, now is, you know, we're going like hybrid, full battery, hydrogen, like all ethanol, all sorts of things are being talked about now that like yeah. three or four years ago, you know, if you were at Seaworks or something talking about that, people would say, no, diesel's here forever. They're, of course, they're going to need diesel forever. But it just shows you the quick turnaround and how they go, oh, well, diesel's not going to be here forever. We have to now think of other yes. things and other plans. And some, some of that will involve the clients as well, because you know, obviously, you know, you still can't carry 15 tonne of cargo and do 25 knots if you're on you know, different types of energy source. Nice. So sometimes, you know, the clients will have to work with us as well and we all get together and try and say look this is this is what will suit us we're willing to drop capacity for dead weight and we'll drop the speed limits and all that type of thing so it's all doable we just need to do things a wee bit different yeah it's all doable but not necessarily all at the same time i think yeah <laughs> i think it's all at the same time is maybe what we did wrong maybe about eight years ago mm-hmm. you no know, mad in built loads of boats and then quickly new clients were saying yeah but we really want this and but the boats yeah. were built so we we had to go along with what we had at the time yeah. I think this time we have a few dips or toe in the water type things and then if, if it works for the clients and then they say this this is okay then we move forward I don't think we should rush into like doing the first thing that's available because then like in three years time they say well that didn't really work knowing you've maybe put five million into a boat nobody wants no, that's exactly. other commercially for us. No, we have to make sure it's exactly what they want. I think sometimes there's a feeling that the clients all want a boat for the their project, but that might it's got to be multi-purpose and be able to change around. Yeah, yeah. And just thinking about the Irish market in particular, I mean, in the UK we've talked about removing the internal combustion engine from the North Sea and things, or from UK waters. Is the Irish government going down those routes at all, trying to reduce carbon emissions in such a way? That they will be but not not as stringent as what the the UK will be at the minute there's obviously talks about different solutions and all that there but like I said earlier it's we're a bit slower on getting the motivation and getting the right people in the right place who you think outside the box that are willing to go you know what we need to do we need to do this if we do it and it it doesn't work out we'll just amend it or change it I think they're waiting to come up with a perfect plan and like we know from previous experience in wind farm there is no perfect plan we've learned all the way from going back to the first phase of Arclo 1 and Scrooby Sands I mean there's Gunty Moors the westernmost rough all so much has been learned since all those wind farms were built yeah. that, you, know, you just got to come up with a plan it may not be 100% but it could be 95% and then you, you work on the other 5% yeah, here, exactly. here the, it seems to be they want to wait till they have 100% and then they'll sign it off. Right. Well, we've got lots of experience from in the rest of Europe now to build on, and hopefully they'll be working closely with the developers about what needs is needed to go forward, because obviously it needs to be done in the right way. But like you say, we don't, don't want to be waiting. I mean, apart from the problems with the regulations and getting those set out properly, do you think there are any other potential issues for the Irish market in particular that might cause hold-ups? I don't think we'll have any problems because if you leave the legislation and the planning all to one side, there's so many other people who are mad keen for this to happen. So they're, mm-hmm. they're making plans for running courses at colleges, they're developing skills, green skills network where you know, they're talking to universities and further education colleges. And I spoke to some of them about, look, don't be ruling out 
a certain sector of the workforce because not everyone that works in offshore winds, you no know, third level education. You know, there's a lot of people who the you know the hydraulics engineers, the guys that go up and like three sun and all these people that do the lifting checks. You mm-hmm. know, it's not all graduates that develop the wind. There's, it takes a lot of manpower to actually build and maintain it. And I'm keen that they know that and they we get young people into wind farming here mm-hmm. and diversify and try and get more women into it. Young girls, no, it's not get away from the all man thing so we get more women technicians in Ireland maybe than there is in the rest of Europe get more you no know, girls going off sea if you like you no know, doing yeah. the different things that they require crane yeah. drivers all that type of stuff there's yeah, so many opportunities right. for the young people and young girls to get into rather than you know just thinking they, they've got bog standard things to follow the wind farming really needs to diversify and you no know, I'm not saying it's sexist or anything but I think we need to like when I speak to the young girls and you know, the good our local colleagues I say like have you ever thought about offshore renewables and he goes so what will we do mm-hmm. i said there's loads the opportunities are endless no yeah the, they're all, they're all, all that certification stuff the the training the gwo courses there's so much things they can do mm-hmm. absolutely and i i would have to defend offshore wind in that it's i find it um actually less sexist than a lot of <laughs> other industries <laughs> but uh yeah, I think it's just that perception, oh, you need to be doing certain things. And there's also a lot of jobs in offshore wind where you never set foot offshore I mean, in many ways. An um, example of that, I sit in an office every yeah, day. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I mean, I like to go out on the boat when I can, <laughs> but it's not usually. Sometimes I manage to sneak down there and um, get a little visit because we're just in the port of lower stuff. But even within the port itself, all the port operations and so, like you said, the certification work, um, yeah, supplying um, Marine coordination. There's just because, so many yeah. opportunities. Yeah, yeah. It just goes on and on. I could probably think of a hundred jobs which could yeah. be open to but many it, different people. Maybe it's us. No, over here. I just wanted to make it sure, like everyone I speak to over here, I say, look, see when this starts, you've got to put this open to young people. The f- Females that are college thinking, what am I going to do when I leave? No, I don't want to emigrate to Australia and America to look for mm-hmm. work. No, what opportunities is going to be here like in two or three years time? So it's all those people I'm trying to say, like from day one, we get young people. I think the opportunities are boundless for Ireland. We're like an island at the edge of Europe and we've got yeah. more potential capacity than anybody else in Europe. Yeah. And there's lots of opportunities for travel. I mean, as you, because it doesn't actually matter too much where you're located, you can go and work in, you know, the UK. And- in, in yeah, Asia's no big, other... so they could start off in Ireland or UK, Europe, yeah. and then know the America, Asia, the Mediterranean, the Baltic. It's all yeah. it's all uh, happening at the moment. Well, that's it. That's the thing about boats; they tend to move. <laughs> it keeps me busy trying to work out where they are. Lots of opportunities for businesses as well uh, and that will be growing in Ireland and yeah it, it's it's just great to see that there's the enthusiasm for the industry and just hope that in Ireland we, we get past the the hold up at the moment it's been really good talking to you about this Martin um, and just getting your perspective on it and I, I've known since the minute you know first sort of first made contact with you you've you've had this real ambition to you've seen this opportunity coming and really keen to grab it and go with it so our future is looking good for Ireland and hopefully going forward we'll get those first projects breaking ground so to say the surveys are going ahead so the investments there the wills there we just need the paperwork in place yeah yeah for sure I mean it's a fantastic opportunity the timing's right we got the people like for instance we got Enterprise Ireland Mm -hmm. who are like they're already putting this cluster together 
together of all the supply chain companies that are going to be able to go into the UK market or get their fingers uh, into the pie, if you like. So there's a, the guy, Liam Kern, who runs that, has you know, done a lot of work even over the last two years, getting that all up and running. Yeah. So there's a, a whole uh, group of supply chain companies that are ready to go. Yeah, oh, that's great to hear. And I think it's also, you know, gauging with those industries already there. I know there's been lots of talk with fishermen seem to be in conflict, but actually a lot of the marine crew I know on the CTVs are fishermen <laughs> because they've got the local knowledge and the skills and the experience that's crucial to making a good operation. I know you've got lots to do today because you've got that new boat to go and polish <laughs> and show off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so much for your time and, and talking to us today about Ireland and what's happening over there and can I, I'd like to wish you all the best of luck I'm looking forward to seeing Paula for the first time hopefully she'll be over the UK at some point and... yeah yeah if we're ever in Lowestoft Great Yarmouth direction no yeah. you're, you'll definitely get an invite so you can come yeah. down and have a, keep a nice calm out. day we'll take you out for a little VIP visit <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like that but no all right then thanks all very right much. thank you very much Sue. cheers, cheers. Many thanks for joining me here in the Crow's Nest. If you'd like to find out more about any of the topics discussed or about 4C Offshore, please see the show notes where I've included details and links. If you've enjoyed listening to our show today, please subscribe to our channel and get notifications of new episodes. The Crow's Nest is a 4C Offshore production.